Your eyes and ears do not deceive you, my friends. This is a bonus episode of Coming Up Next. It's Myth Week at Coming Up Next. That's the Melbourne International Film Festival. And to celebrate the best film festival in the Southern Hemisphere, I am bringing you not one bonus episode, but two bonus episodes, both being released today, being Thursday. Uh, The first one up is an interview with documentary filmmaker Sammy Safe, who has his film, The Allens, at the Melbourne International Film Festival. It's just an incredible documentary uh, about the family and the life of anarchist singer, rock and roll singer, that is, uh, Gigi Allen. Um, You can find out more information on the remaining session at miff.com.au. It's uh, it's on tomorrow night, the 18th, at 6.30pm. And uh, stay tuned. Later today, I'm going to be releasing another episode with another documentary filmmaker, Annie Goldson. And uh, while you're browsing the net, looking for tickets for Miff, head to comingupnext.com.au where you can find links to subscribe, to rate, and to review this podcast. And now we continue Miff Week with my interview with Sammy Safe. So you have your, the first screening of your film, The Allens, this evening. Yeah. You, you must be very uh, excited, nervous, lots of different feelings. Yeah, you know, we had some... Uh some first the premiere in Denmark so so I have a feeling how it works on the audience but yeah. uh, of course you're always a bit nervous I mean this is the first screening outside of Denmark I mean so um, and I know that there are so many fans to GGL and so let's see what happens <laughs> <laughs> how was the film received when you premiered in uh, in Denmark oh it was received good so uh, that takes off some of the pressure you know and uh, we had a great premiere and I was so glad because a lot of Denmark is close to Sweden and there came a lot of people from Sweden also. A lot of uh, beautiful punks. Yeah, yeah. So that was really fun. <laughs> right. And so you grew up in uh, you grew up in Denmark. Yeah. What's the film community like there? Well, the fi- film community in Denmark is, uh, you know, we have, uh, you probably have that here too, we have a uh, government-supported uh, film industry. So, um, I mean, it's a tough race, mm. and we have a film school, many people are educated from the film school, so it's a tough race, but uh, I think, um, for me, it's been a nice ride, you know, going to film school, and after that, going out as a professional, and, and you uh, work with the people you went to school with, and so... Um, so that's pretty nice, but it's also tough, you know, there's a lot of competition and um, these days it's, uh, I think this is, this is a global thing, the, the film has to perform better, uh, I'm more, f- more focused now on how they perform, so ticket sales and stuff like that. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Was, was film something that you always had an interest in growing up? Yeah, uh, either that or music. Right. Which explains why a lot of your documentaries are about. Yeah, yeah, music. I like that. You know, um, I think I wanted to be a rock star, <laughs> but I couldn't be a rock <laughs> Me star. Me too. Yeah, we all wanted to be rock stars, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, 
But um, either that or making documentary films. Yeah. I always wanted to make documentary films, you know. Since I was a kid, I filmed, you know, with video cameras and stuff like that. And so. Do you remember what the first thing that you ever made was? The very first was, I think it was like uh, music videos. We went to hip hop, so we made made music uh, videos to the to the hip hop songs we liked. And then later on, I like uh, I filmed my friends. You know, I had some friends that were. That you know, when we were teens, some of my friends, or one, uh, uh, became had had anxiety, so he got pills, and so I filmed him a lot. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What was it that really interested you about documentaries as opposed to narrative films? I think um, I think the wonder. I always wondered a lot about. I mean, I think that maybe I. Um, at an early age, wondered a lot about life, you know. I was like this uh, Woody Allen kid, you know. <laughs> I, I was afraid of dying when we were early and stuff like that. So yeah. so I think um, I, I use the documentary films a lot to like try to understand how people cope with, uh, with the same issues as, as I cope with, you know, loss and anxiety and losing your friends and like that. So. Mm. One of your documentaries very directly deals with your own sort of personal, I don't know yeah, about loss, yes, but yes. going to try and find your missing father. Exactly, yes. I was family and, um, and uh, I mean, that was, uh, I made it with my girlfriend and that was basically just because I, I wanted to make it at film school, but they wouldn't allow me and I'm glad about that. But, um, but uh, I mean, I was, before that I had made a, made a movie about this, uh, this, this guy who made a mail bomb to this uh, Icelandic singer called Björk and I was thinking okay now I made a film about this guy I used some some tapes he had filmed and stuff like that and then I was thinking now it's my turn to be in the focus because if I can make a film about that guy and he's not even alive anymore then I have to do it on myself also so uh, and then I made family mm. what was what's the process for you when you have identified what the subject matter is of the film that you want to make. Yeah. What's the process for you, I guess? I mean, it's obviously different for each one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, um, I try to find something um, that turns me in a... Often it's like it's, I get angry at something, you know, um, that this is not fair or this is wrong. or You know, I made a film about an, another musician and it, it's always like, you know... Um, I don't know. Um, so sometimes people they love love like a, a public person, and then if the public person like disappoints them, uh, like becoming a, an alcoholic or something, they turn their back against the public person. And I'm and I'm like, that's not fair. He's a human being. He might be an alcoholic, but he's a human being. He's still cool, yeah. or stuff like that. <laughs> so I get, uh, I have, uh, I, often I get angry. You know, I think in Gigi's case, it was like. Come on, he was not that tough. He has a mother. Come on, don't mm. don't do him to to some kind of uh, like uh, he's like this hellish man from hell, or he's like a punk god. Yeah, no, yeah. he's just a kid. Come on, he has a mom, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You're seeing the the inner child in in all of the deviants. Yeah, I think uh, basically it's just like uh, you know, like um, maybe that's a bit lame to say that, but like 
come on, we all human, come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. maybe uh, I like that, you know. So you went to um, film school, you said, yes. in, uh, in Denmark. Yeah. What was the, uh, what were, I guess, some of the sort of main things that you felt like you really took away from school there and then out into the real world? I think, you know, um, I think the most important thing is that, that um, you always start with yourself. I mean, um, for me, it's very important that, um, you know, I have to, uh, when I'm, because I also like heavy issues, and, and I think I have to, um, I have to, to like, in, to, that really to, to relate to, like, the issues, you know, so I'm, if I make a movie about loss, it's, it shouldn't be, a, like, a problem for me to know, so I use my own experience of loss, you know, like a normal thing. So I'm not uh, I'm not like investigating thing or emotions that I haven't felt myself. I think that is very important that I can, you know, to the people that are in the film that they can feel that oh okay he can handle this. I mean okay that's cool. So we can take it a step a step further. You know. Yeah yeah. You know I'm I'm a saga for for like um, the real world. You know without no boundaries. So. Yeah yeah. Do you feel like that's uh, portrayed uh, enough in in current sort of media or, um, or no no I you know I uh, I think when when you like I mean documentary films and TV these years are very much different because it's like TV defines the characters you know before they even have them so I think that documentary films are so important these days you know because when people making documentary films, they they really uh, they, they really try, you know, to see okay, um, to like expose these humans as uh, maybe it sounds like I'm uh, I'm some holy person or something, but I'm not. I'm, I just mean that it, I get my I learn so much from documentary films, and I learn so little from from television these years. I don't know why this happened because television used to have in Europe a lot of good documentaries, but that, that but it's more concepts now, you know. So, um, so I think that documentary film is so important these days, um, really important. So, so, so I like that we have the opportunity now for streaming and all this, you know, because there you have the documentary films today. I mean, they're they're becoming rare at the at the the normal cinemas. Mm. What what do you think of like Louis Thoreau and Michael Moore? These sort of guys. I I love Louis Thoreau <laughs> because it's so far out, man. I yeah. mean, uh, I, I I like what he's doing because he's like he's a, he's one of a kind, and he's putting himself in the middle of everything. And he's uh, uh, I I see him as very honest. Uh, Michael Moore. I mean, I really loved him in the old days. You know the. What was it called? You know, the, the, the union film he made. At the, uh, I haven't seen his latest thing because I think he got so angry, man. Mm. He got so angry, and he, he wasn't that angry at the beginning. So he's like, he's, his uh, angriness is like filling everything now. So, and I think that's sad, you know, because he, he had a very good vision of, of seeing people. Yeah. Who were, I guess, on that sort of subject, who were some of your influences while you are at film school and in your kind of earlier years when you're oh developing? Man. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, um, I mean, I grew up, you know, with very much the Swedish documentary, like Stephen Jarl. Uh, 
I really like like the Swedish wave from the 70s and the 80s, very like a social focus on poor people and stuff like that. I really like that because these films like moved a lot in society. And then uh, when I went to film school, I saw American movie, you know, American movie, Chris Smith's film with uh, Mark and... Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was like a revelation for me because at film school we saw all these art movies. And then I saw American movie and I was like, yeah, that's it, man, <laughs> that's it. A very entertaining film with very normal people and yeah. they were like, like cool but still losers and they had their dreams and at the middle the film like turns around and becomes like a portrait of these losers that are so beautiful in a way because they they are like small kids you know in a very brutal world so uh, American movie meant a lot to me um, but then again there are so many films that, are, that I really loved so um, yeah so what was the path for you when you came out of film school between you know finishing film school and starting to work professionally as a documentary filmmaker? I had, after film school, I worked uh, on television for a year and uh, it, was, it was great fun, but, but this was in the days where we had to do like make TV and radio and internet at the same time. So it was very frustrating, you know. Uh, but uh, the money was very good and that's maybe the, the only time in my life where I had like a a steady income right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but after that I made a movie about uh, Ricardo Lopez the guy who sent a mail bomb to Björk and that became like a, a, a very good festival runner so I traveled to a lot of festivals and uh, you know when you're around you know the, 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 and then I, I, uh, I tried to, to, to get the finance for a family you know the searching for my father and um, we made that very simple so the money was very few what we needed so we, we made that uh, very fast actually and uh, and that became a huge hit so um, and that was very difficult suddenly like, making a movie that everybody loved and uh, traveled hard on the festival so I was like what is going on here mm. I'm, I, I'm not ready to make like this <laughs> film so that was that was like a weird experience and uh, so I was like um, so that, that surprised me a lot. And after that, so, so I, uh, I got an opportunity to make like a behind the scene with Lars von Trier on Dogville. Yeah, wow. So I made, and, uh, so I made that like, a, that became like a, a, the insert for like a, the second film. Dogville and the second film was my documentary. And I think that was very fun, you know, because after that big film, just to make something that asks you to do something, that was nice. What was it like to watch Someone like Lars von Trier at work. Oh, but that was really uh, awesome. You know, I, I, I worked at Centrova earlier, so uh, but that was awesome. He was he's he's crazy, but he's wonderful. <laughs> but um, and uh, it was a great experience to um, you know because I, I wanted to do the same on that. I wanted to make like all these big stars like normal persons. So I did that, and we put out some boxes they could go in and turn on a camera and talk to. Yeah, wow between the, you know, after the, and then uh, that material became wonderful good. And I was like, oh yeah, this is great. Yeah. All these stars are just <laughs> hanging out and uh, doing crazy stuff. But then, um, of course, the agents had to, the agents had to see our first cut. Mm. And uh, suddenly my phone rang all the time, agents saying, 
What is? What the fuck did you do? You cannot show a, this person is living on, uh, off being like a, a non-real human. So you cannot portray this person as a real human. This is a movie star. Yeah. You cannot show this. So, I, so they just um, they stopped me in doing what I wanted. All the, the their you know managers or whatever. So, um, but it still turned out uh, I like it very much. But. Uh, it was weird making something where, where people like uh, were stopping me. Mm. Yeah, because the actors didn't care. The, the, they just let me film everything. Yeah, right. And they were a bit drunk sometimes, and, you know. <laughs> and so they're actors. They're actors, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I couldn't show that. Yeah. But it was a very fun. Um. So when you when you've come to make the Allens, well, yeah. how did you? decide that this was something that you wanted to make a documentary about you know i i like the idea that you have this like i like bad boys and he's like the 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 baddest ever yeah and then i like the idea because then i found out that his mother was the cutest granny in the world (laughs) and i couldn't i mean that made like an explosion because i was thinking okay gg allen's mother okay um, be pretty wild we, we all know what happened to her I mean she of course she was using drugs and she died at a young age and stuff like that yeah. I thought that but uh, that wasn't the story he had the most wonderful mother in the world so kind and so like uh, know mm. what you want in this world so 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 that that's why you know and so much of the film seems to be about her trying to find redemption of, for herself of course I mean and um, I can relate to that. I have small kids now, but I mean, it's not easy being a leader, you know. Her kids became rock stars. Her kids did good in this life economically, I mean. and uh, But uh, I mean, it's not easy having a kid that, you know, was such a bad boy, you know, and died so young, you know. So she's still like, oh man, did I do something wrong? Why did he do this? Why, why, why did he have to do that? I mean, rock stars earlier ha- had been doing stuff like the dirty stuff, but not that dirty. I mean, mm. you could do like, you know, I mean, I think she said like, like Steve Tyler. Why couldn't he be Steve Tyler, you know, <laughs> from Aerosmith? Yeah. He, he's such a nice boy, you know, but and he's still like a bit dirty, you know, so, yeah. But he's not shitting on stage and no. having sex with... No, but he's, I mean, today he's like in, in all these corny shows where yeah, old yeah. people looks at him and he's so kind, he's <laughs> such a kind boy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the, tell me about your, your process from kind of deciding, okay, I'm going to make this documentary about um, Gigi Allen's family, basically, yeah. his, his, his mother and his, um, his brother. Yeah. From that sort of moment through till premiere screening what's yeah. what's your kind of process well the, f- the first i did was contacting merle you know because I, kn- I knew i couldn't contact the merle the mother directly because i had the feeling that uh, a lot of people contact her and, and there was really nothing out there there was only a, a few uh, minutes that merle had filmed with his, mo- his mother mm. so i contacted merle and said oh i want uh, to make a family movie like this uh would you be interested in that and he was like uh, I don't think my mother will be a part of this. And I said, okay, can I can I come over and maybe you can talk to her and maybe in, in, in I can visit her in these days. I said, okay, the, I will contact her, but don't uh, come on, visit me, we'll see what happens. 
So I hang out with Mo like a couple of days. And he was like, oh, you seem nice. I tried to call mom. And, and, and then she said, he can come to me just one, <laughs> one hour and I can talk to him. <laughs> so then I, I went to her and um, I think that, um, I think she was very, um, because a lot of people have has been coming to her and just asking about Gigi. And from the, from the start I was, asking about uh, her, how was it for you? And, and she saw Fnobble and said, you really want to hear me? My, an old granny talking about this? And I said, sure, man, how was it? And, and then, then she just talked, like she gave me the entire story and she warned me out, man, four hours she yeah, just well. talked. <laughs> and, uh, and I was very moved, you know, because I want to be like that when I'm old, you know, because she was so strong and so beautiful, and I just talked to her and said, "Man, you, I want to. Could you add up me? Uh, could you add up me like your son? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to, her to be my mother, you know." <laughs> and uh, so we we became friends, you know. And uh, I still today send her pictures of my kids, you know. <laughs> and uh, I uh, I don't ever want her to die, you know, because she's so fabulous and she had very hard life, man. Mm. But but she's so. Uh, she's so strong so basically she allowed me like um, to to make the story about her life and she said okay I want you to do it and, and that's the first and the last time I ever do it you know um, so so we got along so once you you had her story yeah there how did you begin to assi- I, I think them you know documentaries are presented in such a way that it or you know, if if they're done well, it kind of appears as though the story is just unfolding before yeah. the cameras. But obviously, there's a lot of work. Oh man, scripting. It's you know, horrible. there's so much archival footage yes, in yes. this film as well. Yeah. Um, what was the process for you of, of starting to assemble a script and, and putting all the pieces together? Well, I knew from the beginning that the script should turn about um, Merle-like uh, loosening the grip on Gigi. Because I could relate, I lost my brother when I was rather young, and uh, he did the same. So I was like, I could really connect, you know, to the to the thing that um, the grief, to the grief, and also the feeling like at one point you, I mean, you have to to let it go, you know, because for me that happened when I got kids, you know. Then then you say, okay, fuck all that, man. Yeah. Now I'm here. Now I have a family. This is what's important. Past past doesn't doesn't matter anymore now it's future but well he was still i mean because uh, he makes a living of gg of course and and um his home he has gg all over but i i was trying to find that point you know what because when i met him he was like saying i think i'm ready to to lo- to to uh, to settle down and i said what do you mean i just want to settle down you know with until you know and be old and just travel around, you know, spend some of my money and oh, so what about all the your GG museum and all this? Ah, I uh, I'm probably gonna sell it. Mm. Except to whom? You can't sell GG, can you? I mean, I, I don't know, maybe. So I could feel that he was somehow thinking about leaving, you know, this rock and roll life, leaving the all the GG world there. So. Um, so that was the one important thing, try to, to, to make a story about Merle 
losing the grip on Gigi. And then uh, the gravestone thing, you know, that the thing that Alita was very like ashamed of um, how people were treated the grave became like um, because she hasn't been there for such a long time because she wouldn't go there and see shit and see bottles and mm. what people do there. So I knew that if I could make a story that w- where that from the beginning she hasn't been at the grave for a long time and then it should end with her, spoiler, go to the grave <laughs> and then uh, in between we should have like emotional ride where she kind of goes all the bad go through all the bad things that had happened and then somehow at the end she should like see her son clearly as her son or whatever you know but so I wrote that down and and I made a script and not when you make a documentary it's so ridiculous to make a script because mm. I mean but the finances has to see it but you always flunk on the script I mean of course you do because it's reality yeah but you still have like the dramatic curve in it. So I I, I got um, and still I I always make t- m- uh, movies that are not that expensive because I um, I decided you know to that it's a shitty life being a documentary director. I mean you you don't make a lot of money, yeah. but at least. Um, you should make some movies and if, if they're very expensive it takes a long time to finance them so we got the finance pretty fast and then um, of course we got the finance because we made some film filming already of Alita and Merle and everybody loved Alita so um, so me and Anders just just me and Anders we went to over there and started filming and I like to make films in this very simple way mm. so that's basically what happened and of course then we're editing for it was horrible editing this film because it took it was really horrible but I, and I was like having this major depression during the editing and and the, and the editor was like you know editors sometimes are like parents or something yeah. and they're like just leave leave me alone <laughs> and um, and then <laughs> and then uh, for a long time it was really hard you know putting it together but then uh, I mean, one day was there, and I was just like, "Okay, leave it now. We are through. <laughs> we finished." So, but it was was very difficult because you have uh, different locations and times, and yeah. is this a story about Gigi or the mother or what is this and blah blah blah. So it was very difficult mm. to putting it together. But you always survive. But um, but the producers were a bit angry that we were in the editing room such a long time. Yeah, so well, I could imagine with. The amount of uh, footage that would be available. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it was so crazy. Mm. Went to the producer and says, "Oh, we want to use it also. This uh, archives." And there was like, "No, you cannot use it. this. Is Jerry Springer? <laughs> this is fucking Jerry Springer. Are you crazy? Yeah. We have to call because Universal bought all the, the Jerry Springer show. Right. Tell your producer to call Universal and get a Jerry Springer clip, and they were like, <laughs> they were like, just kill you. I mean, yeah, yeah. right. So." There's, there's, uh, there was one scene in the in the doco um, that I, that I wanted to ask you about where uh, Merle paints a picture with his own shit. Yeah, yeah. What was the kind of thinking of it, of including that moment? Was it kind of? 
I think that you 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 have like uh, he's the big brother and his smallest brother. He did a lot of naughty things. Yeah. And uh, I think for most part, Mel stood aside and said, "Oh my God, that's one crazy punk rocker." Yeah. And uh, today, Mel is like, and uh, he's a very sweet guy. He's so sweet. Everybody that meets Mel are like, "Oh, he's the cutest punk rocker ever." Mm. And I think that. Uh, for starters, wouldn't anyone, I mean, he get $200 for shit painting. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't do that? I mean, that's amazing. Okay, okay, I need some money. Okay, I make a shit painting. Yeah. Uh, and he sells it for $200 <laughs> and those people just want to buy it instantly. Mm. So I think that's the main reason. But, but it's in the film to show that, um, oh man, um, Merle is living of Gigi, and uh, Gigi, he, he like, um, made the road for Merle to make make money on stupid things, you know. So, uh, I think he do it because he can do it. Mm. And he can do it because Gigi Allen was his baby brother. Yeah. That's it. I mean, who wouldn't do it? I mean, <laughs> would you rather go to a shitty work eight hours a day or just make a shit painting and, and get instant payment? Uh, I mean, yeah, takes uh, takes ten minutes to make. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty incredible, uh, incredible moment in yeah. in the film. Yeah, ha- you know, you've made um, you know some some really amazing documentaries. You mentioned before that you know, being a documentary filmmaker doesn't exactly lend itself to the most glamorous lifestyle. Nope. Nope. But how do you define when one of your films has been a success? <sighs> It's very simple, you know. People they tell you. I mean, uh, people are mean. Right. <laughs> um, I, you know, people they stop you in the street and say, "Oh, I really like your film." That's when you know, okay, they like my film. And then you know if um, if you, uh, I mean, it's normal that sometimes you know if if it's not perfect few people were just trying to avoid you or something yeah. I mean that's normal but uh, but when you really flunk you mean no one will tell you that you like your film <laughs> or someone will say oh I th- really think that sucked you know why did you do that or something mm. so you know but but you also know when um, within the first couple of months that uh, if the producer tells you, "Oh, we just sold it to uh, to Japan," "Oh, we just sold it to," we have, then you know it, it's also doing okay. Mm. But um, I mean, you, you just and you also know yourself somehow. I mean, you you just know when you flunked. I mean, and it's very normal you flunk. I mean, it happens to everybody, and everybody just wants to hang themselves and. <laughs> <laughs> and your friends call and say, you, I mean, your colleagues call and say, don't worry, man, I just made that and I flunked and don't worry, just straight ahead. Yeah. You know, that's how we do it. Well, Sammy, I hope your uh, screening this evening goes really well and is not a flunk. Um, I'm Thank sure it you. won't be. I'm sure it'll be really, re- really well um, received. Uh, and you've got another screening on, uh, on Friday, yeah. um, this coming Friday, the 18th yeah. as well. Um, I end all of my podcast with the same question the question is what makes you silly what makes my me silly oh what makes me silly you know like what can generate my silliness 
my kid, you know, my boy, you know, he's five years old, that generates totally my silliness, and I love it. <laughs> I think being silly is so important, you know, because this world is very stiff, you know. Yeah. How how does it manifest when your uh, when your son makes you silly? Ah, <sighs> you know, it's like um, getting caught in the games, you know, like. Uh, when when he says let's run over there and see who comes first you know mm. and you know that game right and I'm like at the middle of the run being behind I'm like no I'm gonna give him right now <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna take it you know and he's like no no you won no, you should let me win <laughs> you know and then uh, yeah yeah I like that thank you so much Sammy thank you so much. Mm-hmm.